0: Things. It's kind of interesting. Um, the next mention that that uh, he was uh, it mentioned, John Mark, is in Acts twelve twenty five, and it said that um, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they fulfilled their ministry, and they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. So it's interesting that says Saul. It was Paul. It's interesting. Um, but Paul and Barnabas took John Mark on a missionary journey. They took him out. And, and it's interesting. That they say that when John Mark went, he was probably a teenager. Um, he was a young lad when Jesus died. It's kind of interesting. Um, Isaac told me about this and I actually read up on it. When when John Mark was young in the book of uh, I got I got to look this up. It's in Luke chapter 14, I think. No, it's in Mark. Oh man, I didn't write it down. He wrote down Luke and sent it to Well, there is a verse. It's in, it's in Mark <laughs> Yeah, Mark 50, Mark 51 and 52, it says, and this is at Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. So it says, and, and so basically, Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, I mean, they're taking him away. Peter had chopped off somebody's ear, and Jesus... Healed the ear. Um, who does that, right? The Guys that are arresting him? Yeah, I mean, that's a crazy thing. But So then it, it, they're, they're marching him off, and it says, And a young man was following him with nothing but a linen cloth or a sheet thrown about his naked body, and they laid, held, they laid hold of him. But leaving behind the linen cloth sheet, he fled from them naked. So this was this was probably John Mark. He said that because he didn't want to mention his name, but none of the other disciples that wrote Matthew, Mark, I mean Matthew, Luke, or John mentioned it. But he did because he knew it happened, because it was him. Kind of interesting. If you think about it, but he was a young lad. He was probably twelve at the time. That's what they kind of think, twelve or thirteen. And then a few years later, he goes on a missionary journey. So he was there when Jesus died on the cross. He was a teenager. And it affected him. And it's kind of interesting, you know, the, the whole thing about young faith. I know for me, when I was 14 years old, I, I remember I asked Jesus into my heart when I was 14. I was at a church camp. There was a bunch of people there and... I was hanging out with a bunch of junior hires, and I was just got challenged by a guy around the campfire playing a guitar and singing kumbaya and different songs like that. Great songs back in the day. Um, but he said, you know, you're here at camp. You've been hearing all about Jesus. You've been hearing about how, how much he loves you. What he really wants is a relationship with you. He wants you to come in. He's knocking at the door of your heart. And he, and he said that to me around this campfire. And he said, ask him in. If he's knocking on the door of your heart, ask him in. And I did. And, and I remember that summer, that was, the, that was a crazy summer for me. I was riding a motorcycle, screaming down a road or a trail. And then I got slowed down because my buddy slowed down. And I like to go fast. I don't know about any of you guys, but on a motorcycle, I like to go fast. I had no fear Um, and I, we came to this open field and Bill slowed down and kind of pulled over and I just blew by him, just opened it up because I was tired of putt-putting down this trail and he didn't warn me, but I heard him yell when I went by, you know, and I wasn't thinking anything of it. It felt good and I kind of looked down and there's no trail and I heard a voice that said, Bill yelled at you, turn around and look. I just heard it. I was like, I turned around and looked, and Bill had dropped his motorcycle on the ground, and he's doing this and screaming. <laughs> Not a good thing, right? I hit the brakes, put the bike down. I'm, I'm from here to you from a cliff that dropped 250 feet. Heart was beating a little bit, just, just to say, you know, but that's the first time I know I heard God's voice Clearly, speak spoke to me, and and it's something that when I was young, I heard I heard his calling. I, I know, right after I got back, we we had camp the last week in June, and uh, it was great fun because you're when you're in junior high, they always have the junior hires go at Flathead Lake early, when it's cold, so they don't stay in the water all all the time, because I'm telling you, in June before July, it's cold. Flathead Lake is cold, and and. Uh, We'd go up there and play, and then I came home, and they had a, it was just before the 4th, and that Sunday before, our pastor had said, um, hey, I'm, I need a volunteer. He said, we had somebody, there, they're having a, a, a float in our 4th of July parade in Deer Lodge. And I don't know if you've ever been to the parade in Deer Lodge, but it was awesome as a little kid. There was floats and all kinds of stuff, horses that came in and crapped on the road, but they always threw candy. It was lots of fun, and uh, so he said that we had somebody who was going to be Jesus, and he can't do it. So I need somebody else to be Jesus. So if if one of you, if somebody can volunteer to do that, or I'll appoint somebody. I remember hearing God say, "I want you to play me." I I I just heard him say that, you know, and I was 14 years old, and I went up. and did it was kind of interesting, but they had, you know. I said, "Yeah, yeah, I'll do it." What do I have to do? Well, put you in this robe, linen thing around your waist, and put a crown of thorns on your head, and and uh, we're gonna have a couple soldiers have some toy whips, and they're gonna whip you. And I'm like, "Okay, that's not big, not not that bad, right?" Uh, how bad can it be, right? Well, you know, and I just, I heard Jesus, I just heard him say, I want you to play me. I want I want you to know what it felt like. Yeah. And, you know, I remember, you know, them putting that crown of thorns on, and it was no big deal, you know, because nobody was pushing on it. But when they started whipping me and doing that kind of stuff, it did poke. And I had some blood, real blood that ran down my, down my the side of my face and, and, I thought it was going to be a toy whip, but they actually had some whips and it hurt, you know, and and they didn't, they weren't playing. They, they, they got into their, I mean, their role, right? And it was like, holy cow, you know, this hurts. What am I doing here? And I just remember hearing Jesus say, what I went through was way worse than this. You know, I just, I, I just remember that. And, you know, it's something that, young faith, there's just something about it. I just, I remember people saying thank you for doing that. I remember a little old lady. Man, that, that was powerful, seeing that flow. Thank you for doing that, young man. That, that was kind of cool. So, so anyway, John Mark was, uh, he went on a missionary journey. He, he heard the call of God. God. God told him to go. And at some point on the journey... It doesn't really say what happened, but we can probably make an assumption that he got homesick. He was probably 14, 15 years old, maybe 16. I mean, it was obvious his mom had strong faith because the disciples were meeting in, in his house and praying, and so he was exposed to that, and he got to see real faith, but I'm sure his mom was a good mom. And that's why he probably got homesick. It's interesting, you know i I don't know if any of you guys know Quinn Kineen. Um Quinn finally came over and had dinner with us this last week, and I got to hear his story about going to Alaska Quinn, Quinn heard God tell him to go to Alaska and be a teacher and uh, he <laughs> He left his family and his friends and went to a strange land. <laughs> and and uh, there was darkness most of the winter. You know, there was a little bit of light. But uh, he, he did something hard. And after a year, he was away from his home. You know, there was, missed his family. I mean, he was, they, they're a tight family. I don't know if you've ever seen Ellie and Reese. They're, they're pretty tight. Emma and, and Quinn, they were tight. And, and, and his brothers and sisters. And uh, we're sitting at my table, and I said, so tell me, you know, how was it? What, what was your emotions? What was, it was the first time I've ever seen Quinn cry. You know, and I, I saw it, that he was on a missionary journey, and he was homesick. And he discovered he didn't like teaching <laughs> or crowd control. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's something that's hard when you go away from home and when paul went on a missionary journey when you read the missionary journeys they were hard journeys i mean paul got stoned on one of them i mean he got he got 39 lashes was it three times from different places on this on these missionary journeys when people got mad i mean he got he got shipwrecked a couple of times he got bit by a snake a, a venomous snake that he should have died, but God saved him from it. But you know, missionary journeys are hard. I I know every summer I go to Fort Belknap. I used to go to Rocky Boy. But I go to Fort Belknap and I cook at a camp and I I do a mission trip. I, I take I take people with me and and uh there's kids that come from all over the country to be uh a, a can a camp mentor or a just to hang out with kids, little kids, because I do the VBS camp. So I, there's kids that are anywhere from uh, first grade, as long as they're not in diapers. <laughs> they let them come, right? And and it's hard for, for these kids. Some of them come with lice. Usually about a third of them have lice when they come. And we don't send them away. We have commercial wash machines and dryers, and they spray them and, and they, kill, they have a certain spray that, you know, it's part of their life up there. And they just take care of it because they love these kids. And uh, I, I, I fall in love with one every, every summer. I know this last summer there was a girl that the doctor said, or the nurse that was there who's my friend's wife. She's an emergency room nurse. There was a girl that they were sure that she broke her arm. It was limp. And and she was just crying and screaming when they touched it. And it was just horrible. And I heard God say, go pray for her. I, quit. I was cooking cookies <laughs> in the kitchen. And I heard all this going on. And I went out and prayed. I just said, hey, can I pray for you? And uh, I prayed for her. And she stopped crying. And her eyes just looked. She locked on me when I got done, crying, got done praying. And she stopped crying. It's like, you feel better? And she goes, yeah. She right. just loves you. And I turned around and went back cooking cookies. And Erin uh, came back, and she, she went to the little girl. And she, I heard her say, Josh, we gotta call. we got to call her parents. we gotta, we got to take her to the hospital. She's got a broken arm. And uh, she went back over to the little girl, and she started talking to her. She was eating a cookie because I took a cookie to her. Of course, right? That's what you do. If you're the camp cook, you bring a cookie. And the girl's crying, and uh, she, uh, <clears throat> she just said, she talked to her, and then she came back. She goes, what'd you do? I said, just prayed for her. She goes, she doesn't have a broken arm. I says, I know. I just knew it was healed. I just saw it, you know. And, and uh, I can't explain it. I just know it happened. And, and those kinds of things happen at this camp all the time. I've seen so many miracles things that I've prayed and many other people have prayed. But it's something that when you go out and you step out in faith, God goes with you. He just does. I mean, he loves to help. And I don't know, it's interesting when you read on in this. So in John Acts 13, 13, it says that... uh, now, when Paul and his party set sail for Paphos, they came to Perga and Pamphila, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem in 13.13. He just left. He left them hanging. So the next time you hear about it in Paul's journey is in uh, Acts 15.38. Do you want to pull that up? It says, But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphyla and had not gone with them to the work, John Mark abandoned him. he got homesick or or it was just too hard i don 't know what it was but but he left he uh, he took off, and so Paul remembered it, and he said, "Hey, kid ain't coming with me kind of thing i, I don 't know so so why don 't you pull up uh, 39 through 41, it says, <laughs> how you do <doing> now? <laughs> You're so funny, Brandon. <clears throat> He's up there waving at me, giving me one of these. That's funny stuff. That's good stuff. <laughs> it says, then the contention became so sharp because Paul wanted not to take him. He says, no. And Barnabas was saying, yes. And so it says they, they had a sharp conversation with one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. They split. Barnabas split from Paul. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. It's interesting. It's the first time that there was a decision like this made, and they didn't pray over it and, and lay hands on one another because they always did before they left. Somebody laid hands on them, and they did. But before they departed this time, they didn't. And I don't know if it, if the enemy was involved in this. I just know that Barnabas, the, the name Barnabas means um, son of encouragement. So, so he's an encourager. He's, he's somebody who is going to help somebody when they're down. Somebody who's going to, when, when somebody else doesn't think somebody can make it, they're going to encourage them and say, man, no, you can make it. And I don't know where you're at in life, if there's any decisions you've made in your life that you regret, that maybe the devil said, man, you'll never you'll never amount to anything because you did this, you, you, you failed in this. I know it's happened to everybody. I know for me, I've, I've made some decisions that I regret, and the enemy wants to tell me, ah, you're no good anymore. You're not worthy. But Barnabas believed in John Mark. He believed in him so much he took him with him and abandoned the journey, the, the, the mission trip that Paul was on and went up, set off. And we don't know a whole lot about what Barnabas did because the book of Acts was written by Luke who hung around with Paul all the time. And so that's where most of this comes from. We don't, we don't really hear a lot about that trip. But we do hear later on about some other people that mentioned Mark later on in life. So we know that, that John Mark overcame that, whatever it was, whatever disappointment would happen to him, whatever the lie of the enemy got in and, and tried, to, tried to stir up Paul. I mean, you would think Paul would have, of all people, you know, you think about Paul, Paul was a murderer. I mean he he was killing Christians, I mean, he thought he was doing right, but later Paul thought, man, I'm the worst because of what i did but but paul i mean he was forgiven I mean, he was blinded for three days <laughs> because Jesus wanted to speak to him wanted to, wanted to call him out, wanted to get him to do something and and it's uh it's something that God wants to, to help you to overcome whatever, whatever you've done because he helped Paul. I mean, his name was Saul and it became Paul because God changed him. He He called him out of what he was doing. Um, it's interesting. If you'll pull up um, Colossians 4, 10, and 11, I don't know if I gave you that one. I might not have. I'll read it to you. It's Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Gentiles eat popcorn if you need to remember something. It says that that Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, wishes to be remembered to you, as does Mark, the relative of Barnabas. You received instructions concerning him, and if he comes to you, give him a healthy welcome. So, Paul is has has had Mark with him. He, he's had John Mark with him. He, he's been hanging with him. And in fact, in Second Timothy four eleven, he said he said this. You have that one. It says, only Luke was with me. Get Mark and bring him with you. For he is useful to me for ministry. I mean, he wasn't, <laughs> but now he is. So something changed somewhere along the way. John Mark redeemed himself somehow. And, and, it, it, and it's crazy. Um, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 13 says this says, she who is in Babylon elect together with you, greet you, and so does Mark, my son. So Peter called Mark his son. I mean, it was obvious when Peter got out of jail, he went to John Mark's house. <laughs> so he, he knew him. and And maybe something happened to his dad because we never heard about John Mark's dad, but Peter has helped maybe raise him to that point because, you know, obviously he, he was endeared by many of the disciples and so much that he, was, he wrote the book of Mark. And, and if you read it, I love the book of Mark because when I read it, it's an action book and, and you get to hear everything. You know, it's interesting. Matthew presents Jesus as, as the king. Um, Luke presents him as a man. Mark presented him as a servant. I mean, all of his acts of service that Jesus did were presented by Mark. He paid attention. And he knew how much that meant to him, that Jesus was willing to serve. And that's that's one thing that God calls us to do is to serve. That's how we help people and get people's attention. When we do things for them, when we help them. Because it shows love. and And love covers a multitude of sin, right? It, it, it's powerful. So it's interesting. Um, why couldn't the lifeguard save the hippie? Because he was too far out, man. He was too far out, man. (laughs) Sometimes we think some people can't get saved, right? They're too far out. They've they've done too much. They they, they can't be forgiven, you know? And and that's what the enemy tries to do is he tries to tell us that you're too far out. You've gone too far. You did too much. And... There's nothing I don't believe that you can do other than to blaspheme the Holy Spirit, which I don't think we can do that now. (laughs) That was what the Pharisees did, was to blaspheme the Holy Spirit, the works of what Jesus was doing and saying it was from Beelzebub. They they did, I don't think we can do that. Um, It's uh, the the scripture that, that always tells me that, you know, there was a woman who was brought to Jesus who was caught in adultery. And the Pharisees take her and put him in front of Jesus and says, hey, this woman was caught in adultery. She should be stoned. Isn't that what the law says? And it's true. That's what the law says. And here's Jesus with a crowd of people, and he's teaching. And it says that he stooped down and started writing in, in the dirt. Doesn't say what he wrote. I have no idea. Um, well, I actually have some thoughts. <laughs> he probably wrote some of their sins that, he, that they did. I don't know. But they kept pestering him, saying, hey, we asked you a question. This woman was caught in adultery. It, the, the law says we should stone her. What do you say? He said, So he finally stopped writing on the ground, and he looked up, and he said, okay, whoever among you is without sin, you can throw the first stone. And everybody that was there, it says that beginning from the oldest to the youngest, they dropped their stones. It means they all brought a rock. You know, you're supposed to bring a rock to a rock fight, right? They did. And could you imagine hearing this, the, the sounds of the rocks drop? I mean, the woman probably was thinking they're going to throw them at her, and she could hear these rocks drop on the ground. And and finally, you know, it said that Jesus bent back over and started writing on the ground again. And he's probably writing the sins that they did. That, that's my thought. Um, but... Uh, they all left. They just walked away. They were so bent on murdering this this gal. And and so Jesus looked up to her and he said, Are there any accusers left? And she said, No, Lord, there's not. He said, Go and sin no more. That's what he said to her. He didn't say, Go fix your life or go do all these Hail Marys or go do all this stuff. He said, just go. Don't do it again. You know, but could you imagine the look that he gave her? I mean, I would imagine it was a look of love. I mean, when, when you see it on The Chosen, um, <laughs> you see it and you go, oh, my gosh. Jesus was real. He, he really loved people and he loves you. And, and he wants to forgive you of no matter what you've done. You know, So my, my question tonight is, what is the devil saying to you that's making you not want to go on serving God? What, you know, what's keeping you? What, what is the, the enemy saying to you that's keeping you from, from really going all in? I mean, I don't know about you guys, but when we were singing that song, Shout Jesus from the mountain. I don't know about you guys, but I I shouted, Jesus, right? (laughs) Caitlin about jumped out of her seat. You were. And it's, whoa, she jumped. But it was like, if we sing the songs, we should want to shout it. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the blood. There's, I mean, it's crazy. My wife was home last night. She's sick. She had a fever. She was going to throw up. She was, I, you know, everybody that I know of that's got this has thrown up and has gotten ill. And and I laid, and, you know, she's like, oh, gosh. I mean, she went to the floor. I thought, uh-oh, this ain't good. She's laying on the floor. She says it feels better. So I, I went down. I went down and laid a hand on her and prayed. And I just said, in Jesus' name, be healed. Go away. I mean, it, it's crazy, but within 20 minutes, my wife was... <sighs> no, she wasn't doing dishes, no. She did go in the, into the kitchen and, and take a probiotic. But um, but, it, but it's funny. Um, she was able to go to bed. And, and she was not going to. She said... Just let's pray and and you can go to bed. And I was like, No, I'm going to pray for you, <laughs> in Jesus' name. And and I mean, she still she slept through the night. And she's feeling better. Like, Sorry, I just sprayed. <laughs> that was good. See what happens when you get old. You know, but it's okay. You know, I didn't spray on anybody, or did I? No. <laughs> nothing nothing it's okay go back to sleep so so that's what i'm that's what I'm, i'm encouraging you encouraging you is that man john mark was a young man very young and he made a mistake it wasn't a mortal sin Paul called him on it and said, no, I'm not going to take him. I don't want to waste time, you know. Part of us didn't. He hung in with it. And and we have the book of Mark because of that. And, and, you know, it's something that God is faithful. If you trust him, he's going to walk with you. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to abandon you. He's going to carry you through no matter what it is. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for not giving up on John Mark. Thank you for not giving up on Paul. Thank you for not giving up on me. Lord, thank you for not giving up on anybody that's in this room. You don't give up on anyone. You say that you'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us because you love us. And I just lift everyone up in here. And I just come against any anything that they've been accused of or... God, I just, I just come against negativity, someone who doesn't believe in them. I just come against that and because I know you believe in them, and you have something for everybody here. And I just lift them up and pray the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus over everyone here. I just pray you that you raise them up out of the mire, raise them up out of their situations, help them to, to trust you, God, that you would use them in mighty ways. And I just lift them up here in Jesus' name. Amen.